Welcome to Glory Stories with Dr. Elizabeth Vaughn. Dr. Vaughn was one of the top eye surgeons in America and has traveled to many countries in the world preaching the Word of God. She also opened up an eye surgery center in Beijing, China, where she did free eye surgery on those in need. Dr. Vaughn will be sharing many of her personal experiences from God. In addition, you will hear of others that have known God in an intimate way and seen His miracle working power. As you hear about how God has worked in the lives of others, our hope is that you will be changed forever. Get ready for God to heal you, deliver you, and transform your life as you sit back and enjoy these glory stories. Welcome to Glory Stories. We're going to talk about one of the giants in the kingdom of God today. His name was, he's not here anymore, he's in heaven, but his name is Kenneth E. Hagen. Well, he had kind of an ominous beginning in life. He was born premature. He only weighed two pounds. And when he was born, the doctor said, this baby's dead and put the baby aside. And he was just focused in, in on the mother, trying to take care of the mother. Well, about 45 minutes later, the grandmother comes and she says, well, I'm going to pick up the body. And I don't know what she was going to do, but she picked up the body and she recognized that there was some sign of life still in that body. So she cleans up the baby, she puts a, a little dress on the baby, and she starts to feed it with an eyedropper. And sometimes even one drop of milk or water fluid would make the baby turn blue and, and have problems dealing with one drop of fluid. But at least the baby was alive, and so they did take care of the baby, and he started growing. And he was always smaller than he should have been because he, he was born with a congenital heart defect. He couldn't run and play with the other boys. He was, uh, but he grew, he grew anyway, and he could go to school for a while until he got too sick. When he was about nine years old, he always went to church. His family always took him to church. His father abandoned he and his mother when, when he was a baby, but they went to live with her, with her parents, which was his grandparents, and they would always take him to church. He would pray. He would read his Bible, and the Sunday school teacher told him one day, that if they would go down and join the church and get baptized with water, that they would be saved. And so he and the other boys all went down that day. They joined the church. They got baptized in water. So he always felt like he was saved. Well, when he, when he got a little older, when he was like 17 years of age, he got so severely ill, chronically ill, that he became bedridden. He had an incurable blood disease. He had this congenital heart disease. He, he was becoming more and more paralyzed with time. And at one point, his heart just stopped beating altogether. And he saw himself. He was taken to a place that was dark. It was hell. It was dark. And the only light that there was was the light from the flames of the fire there. And this beast-like creature took him by the arm and was taking him into the, the entrance to hell. And a, a loud voice then was spoken. It wasn't in English. He didn't know what the voice said. It was a loud voice that kind of shook hell. And the beast let go of Hagen's arm, and Hagen came back into his body again. Well, it was so frightening to him. And he knew that it, he knew his heart was going to stop beating again. And, and shortly, it, it did stop beating again. And he went back into this black pit that was just... The only, the only light was the flames of fire that were shooting out from everywhere. And the beast took his arm again the second time and, and took him toward that gate of hell a second time. And, and as 
as he was about to be admitted into hell, the same loud voice shook, shook heaven, saying something. He didn't, know what, he didn't know who it was. He didn't know what was being said. But because of the voice, that beast let go of him again, and he came back into his body again. Now, he, he knew that it was going to happen again, and it did. And the third time it happened, he starts going toward this, toward hell. And so he hollered, he screams out, and he said, I joined the church, and, and I was baptized in the water. No response. He kept on going. So he screamed it louder. I joined the church, and I was baptized in water. No response. He kept going toward hell. So he, he, he knew that this was his last chance. So he said, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins, and I, and I want to make you my Lord and my Savior. And when he said that, he stopped going to hell, and he came back into his body the, for the third time. You see, he thought that he was saved because he went to church all the time. He read the Bible. He prayed a lot. He thought he was saved. And a lot of people think that that they're saved. Some of them think they're going to go to heaven because they're a good person or they try to be a good father, a good wife, or a good. they try to think goodness is going to get them into heaven. None of those things get you into heaven. The thing that gets you into heaven is asking God to forgive you of your sins and taking him as your Savior and your Lord. The Bible tells us that if, if we confess our sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So he wants us to turn our back on the wrong things that we've been thinking and doing in our lives and turn ourselves toward Jesus and give our lives to him and, and try our best to please him and do what's right. But it's the blood of Jesus that washes away our sins and nothing else is going to get you there, nothing. When you stand before the throne of God, He's going to look and see if you're washed clean with the blood of Jesus, and that's the only way you're going to get into heaven. So anyway, at this point, when Hagen had cried out to God and said, please forgive me, he repented, and I want to take you as my Lord and my Savior. That's the thing that got him pulled back out of hell and put back in his body again. The first two times, God was just merciful to him. God apparently was speaking from heaven and commanding this beast to let go of him two times, and he gave him three chances. That's more than most people would be getting for sure. So here he was back in his bed in his debilitated state, and he decides he's going to read the Bible the best he can. He couldn't see very well because he had so many maladies in his body that his eyes weren't working very well. But he started reading the Bible, and he ran across the scripture one day, Mark eleven twenty four, and the scripture said, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And he, he read it a couple of times and he thought, if this scripture is really true, it means I can get out of this bed. He really wanted to ask his pastor about that verse of scripture to see if it was true. They called the pastor and asked him to come. And the pastor said, okay, I'll be there in a couple of days. Well, he didn't come and he didn't come. After a year, he still hadn't come. So they call another pastor, a second pastor. Would you please come? And, and he, he said, okay, I'll come. But again, he never came at all. So they called a third pastor. They said, please, would you come? Well, this third pastor came. He came to see Kenneth Hagin. There he was laying in his bed, mostly paralyzed. He couldn't even, 
He couldn't even do anything. He had to be cared for like a baby, actually. And the, and the pastor comes and he sees his situation. He pats him on the hand and he says, okay, son, it, it, don't worry. It's just going to be a few more days and all of this is going to be over for you. And Hagen hears him in the other room and he's praying for the family members and he's praying, Lord, help them in their time of bereavement when Hagen dies. And so all his hope drained away when the third pastor came and told that to him. And his family started making funeral arrangements because of what this pastor had said. They asked Kenneth Hagin what songs he wants sung at his funeral. And they, they made all the preparations for him to die. And he expected to die. But 30 days later, he still was alive. He wasn't dead. So he picked up his Bible again. He read the scripture again. Mark 11, 24. What things soever you desire when you pray... Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And so he was praying day and night, Lord, heal me. Lord, heal me. Day and night, crying out to God day after day, night after night. Lord, I'm praying to you. I'm asking you to heal me. And he, nothing. He'd look at his body and his body would still be just all totally debilitated on the verge of death. And, and, he, and it, the prayers didn't seem to change anything. They didn't seem to make any difference. But he was thinking, you know, if he can't see that he's well, then he's really not well. He was looking at everything in the natural. But finally, one day, he saw the mistake that he was making. This was the mistake. The scripture says, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. He was praying. He was doing that part of it all the time, all the time. But he wasn't believing that he had received them. That's an act of faith to believe that you receive when your body still is the same body. It's the same debilitated body. It's the same sickness you had before. Maybe that's what you've been struggling with. Maybe you've been praying and praying and praying for God to heal you of whatever, and you haven't seen any results. And maybe other people have prayed for you, and you still haven't seen any results. But the only way you're going to see a result is if you believe that you receive. That's the only way. So when that dawned on Kenneth Hagin what he was doing wrong, he says out loud, he says, I believe I receive healing for my congenital heart problem. I believe I receive healing for my incurable blood disease. I believe I receive healing for my paralysis. I believe I receive, and he believed without, no matter what his body looked like, he believed at that point he received it because that's what the word of God said. It's a promise. It's God's promise. God promises that if you pray and you believe you receive, you shall have whatsoever you've asked. That's what God promises. So when he did that, he believed that he had received his healing, even though he didn't see it in the natural. That's what you call walking by faith and not by sight. See, the Word of God tells us that a righteous man walks by faith. That means by faith means you your faith is in Jesus. Your faith is in the Word of God and what He says to you. And it says not by sight, not by what you see, not by what you feel, not by what you taste, hear, all the sensory perceptions. You don't walk, you don't walk by your sensory perceptions. You walk by faith in God. That's the way He wants us to walk. So if the Word of God is telling you one thing, and your senses are telling you the opposite thing, you get to choose which you believe. And Hagen made the comment that if you, if you 
put your if you put your focus on the things in the natural, things in the natural in the world, he said that flesh will give Satan the will give Satan the victory in your life. But if you put your faith on Jesus Christ and on His Word, the Word of God and its promises, and you walk by faith, that's going to give you victory every time. So wherever you wherever you look and believe, believe God. You're, if you believe God, you're going you're gonna to get what you've asked. If you don't believe God because you believe your sensory perceptions more, you still hurt, you still look at your limb, and you still can't use your limb. And so everything in the natural says, well, you're not healed. Look at you, you're, you're not healed at all. So if you, look by, if you go by what, seem, what you see in the natural, the enemy's always going to have supremacy over you because you'll never receive it if you only judge by what you see. So anyway... Hagen, there he was. He was laying in his bed, still paralyzed, still sick. But now he had said, I believe that I receive. And he meant it in his heart. So the Holy Spirit speaks to him and he says, well, if you believe that you receive your healing, why are you just staying, laying in the bed? Why are you still laying in the bed? So he realizes that if you've received a healing, that means that you ought to act on what you've received. So he, he starts to act on it. Even though he's paralyzed, he, he manages somehow to pull himself up by the bed pole there, the bedpost, and he pulls himself up to a sitting position. His legs were totally uh, no good to him. They were paralyzed. So he takes his hand and he throws one of his legs over the side of the bed, and he throws his other leg over the side of the bed, and he grabs hold of the pole, the bed pole, and he pulls himself up, and he's, he's in a standing position. He's standing on legs that were paralyzed, but he's acting on his faith. He's acting on his faith. Faith without corresponding action is dead. You've got to act on it. If you believe it, you, you'll, and you do, you act on what you really believe. You know, when I was in South Africa not long ago, I was at a place called Mug and Bean. They serve coffee and desserts and lunches and stuff like that. And under the coffee cup, there's a little round absorbent disc. And I, I, I started looking at that, and it had written on it. It said, whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, either way, you're correct. I thought that was good. I took it. I brought it home in my suitcase. I have it at my house. And it's true. It's true. Because what a man thinketh, as a man thinketh in his heart... So is he. So if you believe that you've received and that you're healed, you'll see it come to pass. But if you look at yourself and say, well, I didn't get healed. Look, I prayed and prayed. I didn't get healed. I'll probably never get healed. You, that's what you believe. That's what you say with your mouth. That's what you're going to have. That's what you're going to have. Nothing. You're going to get nothing from God that way. So anyway, he was acting on what he believed. And so he now pulled himself up and he was standing on these two legs that were totally paralyzed dead legs, but he was standing on them. So he decided he was going to take a step, and he was able to do it. And he took another step, and he was able to do it. He's been paralyzed for 16 months. He's been bedridden for 16 months. And now he's walking on legs that were paralyzed a few minutes ago. So the next day, he thinks, I'm going to, I'm going to do this again. So he, he gets up. Same thing, he's better that day. He starts walking around the room. Nobody knows this is happening. This, he's doing this in secret. So he tells his mother, he says, 
I want you to bring me some shoes and some clothes because tomorrow I'm going to walk down and I'm going to have breakfast with you all tomorrow morning. Well, she thought that was a little bizarre, but she did what he asked her to do, and she brought him some clothes, some shoes. So the next morning, he gets up out of the bed, he dresses himself, he puts his shoes on, and he walks out of the room, and he has breakfast, and he never went back to the bed again. Well, he slept at night, like we all do, but he was never sick again, not, not, all, not at all. He lived to be in his 80s and had a long, prosperous, healthy life. Now, Hagen... He, he had kind of a un, some unique things happen to him because Jesus came to him on a numerous occasions to teach things to him. And when Jesus came, he saw in the hands of the Lord, he saw a triangular-shaped jagged hole large enough where you could, like a, 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 probably about a quarter in Americans' uh, coins, about that size, the whole the whole palm of his hand was almost missing with this triangular shaped hole in the palms of both of his hands where he had been crucified on the cross. And Hagen could see through those holes and see what was behind the holes. I had a friend that also had an encounter with Jesus where Jesus came to her in the night. She was having tremendous problems in her life and Jesus came to her and, and he had his, his arms kind of outstretched and there was the glory of God was like six or eight feet all around him, all around his body. And she saw those same holes in the palms of his hand. And through the palms, she could see the glory on the backside of, the, of, the, of, the, of each hand. And, and so the holes that he had when he was on the cross that are in his feet and in his hands and the piercing in his side, they still exist in his resurrected body they still exist in his body. And so when we see him in heaven, he's going to have those same piercings that happened to him at Calvary. He's the only one in heaven that's going to show any wounds. The rest of us are going to be whole and well, and even somebody that was blown into bits from an explosion of some sort, when they get to heaven, God, God's going to have their body back together again. Whether you were drowned in the bottom of the ocean and fish ate every single bit of your flesh, and, you know, that, it doesn't matter. God can, he's going to have your whole body together again. You're going to recognize the people that you knew on the earth. They're going to, they're going to be recognizable to you. You'll, be, you'll still love them. They'll still love you. You'll be friends. You'll be family. And, and we'll want to all dwell there together. So anyway, Jesus came to Hagen on several occasions. On one occasion, he, he had been the pastor of a church and when he was the pastor, then they supplied a parsonage for him, paid the bills to the parsonage. They supplied him with a car. When he had to go to a meeting somewhere, they would pay the cost of the transportation and the fee for the, for the meetings, if there was a fee. And so they had, they had supplied a lot of things for him, and he was doing well as a pastor. But he felt like God was calling him to be an evangelist and travel. And so he was always obedient to God, so he quit that church, and he became a traveling evangelist. Well, now... All the expenses were his. Now, he had to find housing for his family out of his own pocket. He had to pay his, pay his own utility bills. He had to buy his own car. He had to buy new tires when they wore out. All, all of the expenses of life were now on him personally. And meanwhile, as he traveled as an evangelist, he was getting such tiny offerings, such tiny offerings that he couldn't really, he couldn't really support himself or his family with the money that he was getting. 
and his his family didn't have proper food. They didn't have proper housing. He had like a a, a one bedroom apartment for them, and and his son had to sleep on a rollaway bed in the kitchen. And in the kitchen, he also had to to do any studying that he needed to do. Hagen was studying the Bible and studying things. He had to do all of those in the kitchen because there was no other place for them to do this. So it was really very meager, and he, and he he couldn't. You know, he couldn't pay his bills. He couldn't pay his bills. And his car got so in such bad shape, and the tires on it were bald, and it was, it was broken down in every way where he couldn't even, he didn't even have a car anymore. Finally, he just sold the car for junk, for junk. You know, junk. It was no good to drive as a car anymore. It was junk. And he got a little bit of money from selling it as a junk, enough to pay interest on some loans he had made and buy some school clothes for his children, and that's all. then that was the end of that money. So here he is on the evangelistic field. Now he has no car at all. He still doesn't have any income for his family, so he's crying out to God. He's fasting. He's praying. He's asking God, Lord, the Word says that, that if you're willing and, and, you, and you will eat the fat of the land, and, and he said, I don't understand what's, what's happening to me. I can't, I don't have money, and I know I'm supposed to have money from you, but I don't see what's the matter with, with me. And so the Lord comes to Jesus, Jesus comes to Hagen, and he begins to teach him things about finances. Now listen, what I'm going to tell you is from Jesus Christ, and I took it for me when I read about it. I took it for me because whatever Jesus taught him is going to be helpful to us. And we need to implement it in our own lives. So, so Jesus told him, he said, the first thing you do, you stake a claim in whatever you need or whatever you want. Hagen said, well, I can understand staking a claim in what I need, but this want, I don't know about this want part. So Jesus said, doesn't it say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want? That's what it says. He said, okay. So it means whatever, you don't have to just ask, okay, you don't have to ask for the bare necessities. You can ask for not only the bare necessities, but some things that you want too. You can ask for the things you want. God wants to supply things that will make our lives happy and fruitful. And actually, he wants us to be abundant. If you want to know the truth, he wants us to be abundant so that we out of our abundance can give to other people and help them in their lives. He wants us to be abundant. That's the heart of God. He became poor so that we would be rich. That's what the Bible says. So anyway, the first thing that he told Hagen, you stake a claim in whatever you want or you need. And then the second thing is you tell Satan, because Satan is the ruler of the earth. Satan's the ruler of the earth until we take authority over him. Then we're, we, Jesus gave us authority over him. But a lot of people don't know that. So he says, Satan still has control of, of the money of the earth, and you have, to, you have to assert your dominion over that. So he says, the second thing you do is you say, Satan, you take your hands off of my money. You see, if you staked a claim in it, in the old West in America, people could go out and they would stake a claim and say, this land, this part of this land is mine. I'm staking a claim, this land is mine. And, and then that meant, staking a claim in that land meant the federal government would allow them to have that, to own that land. That was their land. That was very early in America. I wish you could do that now, but anyway. 
That's staking a claim. So you've staked a claim in it, so it's yours. And now you're telling Satan, who has control of the finances in the world, unless you take authority over him, you tell him, you keep your hands off of my money. This is my money. In the name of Jesus, you keep your hands off of my money. The third thing you do, you speak to the angels of God, and you tell, this is what Jesus, I'm telling you, remember, this is what Jesus taught Hagen to do. He says, the third thing you do, you speak to the angels, and you say, angels, they're called ministering spirits. In Hebrew 1.14, it says that angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who shall be heirs of salvation. So he said, you, you speak to the angels, to the ministering spirits, and you tell them to go and cause the money to come into you. He said, you know, evil spirits can come to people and influence people. They influence them trying to make them steal or go rape a woman or go murder somebody. They try to influence people to do wrong things. The angels of God can influence people also to do good things, to do right things, and they are waiting for you to tell them what to do. He said they are like this. This is his explanation. They're like if you go into a restaurant and the waitress comes and you say, I want two eggs over easy and bacon and toast. You've given her your order. You tell her she goes and she gets what you've ordered and she brings it to you and serves it to you. That's what the angels of God are there for. They are to serve you. You think of them as servants to you because that's who God created them to be. So that's what you tell them. You tell third thing, you tell the angels, go ministering spirits, go angels and cause the money to come into me. The fourth thing you do, you thank God. You thank him. You expect it to happen because that's the way he told you to do it. So Hagen said, okay, I need what he decided. I, I need $150 a week. Now that sounds extremely minimal now, but he lived a long time ago. And so that's what he decided. So he went to the church where he was visiting and he stands in the pulpit. Nobody's there. It's an empty auditorium. And he says, I claim $150 a week. I, I bind you, Satan, away from my $150 a week in the name of Jesus Christ. And angels, ministering spirits, you go out and cause $150 a week to come into me in the name of Jesus. And then he said, thank you, Lord. I thank you. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Well, when it came service time, he didn't tell anybody what he'd done because he doesn't want to teach something unless he's tried it out himself. So he told the pastor, he said, don't make any pleas for money. Don't make any big pulls on money. Just pass the offering bucket and say, this offering is for Evangelist Hagen tonight, and don't say anything else. The pastor says, you're not going to get a dime. You're not going to get a quarter. You're not going to get anything from these people if I don't try to pull some money. He says, no. He said, if I only get a dime, I'll be happy. Just do what I say. So that's what the pastor did. The offering plate went around, and by the end of the week, he had, he had more than he had asked for. Hagen had more than he had asked for. And so he tried it again. He said, well, I need $200, he claimed. He got 240 instead. He went to another place. I want 450 that he claimed. Instead, he got 750 So he proved in his own life how this worked for him. And, uh, and so if, if you and I are wise, we can do what Jesus said to do about our finances. Believe me, I have already implemented this in my life because I read about this a while back. But today is the day that you can implement it in your life. God wants you to have not only 
your needs. He wants you to have your wants. He wants you to live in abundance. He wants you to have a happy, joyful life. So implement this today. Be wise and get, get the results from it in your own life and your own finances. In Jesus' name. We hope that you enjoyed these stories of the glory of God. We believe that each story we tell will help build your faith and help to bring a miracle into your life. For more information about this program and Dr. Elizabeth Vaughn, visit her website at godsinstrument.com, her YouTube channel at Glory Stories Now, or write her at Elizabeth Vaughn Ministries Incorporated, P.O. Box 454, Argyle, Texas, 76226, USA.